Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Opportunity Knocks, the business journey podcast. I am your host, as always, Dean Miller, and today we have a guest that has grown to be near and dear to my heart over the last couple of years. Today's guest is the one and only Nick Diodato, also known as Nick Dio. Nick is currently the head of education at the Sasha Group, which is a VaynerX company. So for all you VaynerChuck fanatics out there, listen closely. This is a guy on the inside who's going to expose the naked truth of everything and what you need to do to be a superstar in that Vayner type world. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this with us today. Dean. That might be, I'm going to rip that introduction. And from now on, I'm going to make every stage or podcast that I join. Uh, they're going to have to say that. I think you just, do you have a copywriter inside? Like, uh, it's, what's going on there? You know, I, I've, I, you want to talk about a business journey. I learned from practicing and I, I, yeah. I, tr I try different intros with people all the time because I try to get to understand the mindset of the guest. And the goal is always to make them comfortable so that they could literally rip open the kimono and show everything. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm down. You already poked me enough. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to take it off. I appreciate it. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's uh, it's it has been an honor getting to know you over the years. Uh, full disclosure, I am, as many of you who've listened know, I am a big follower of, of all things Gary V. I, I've bought hundreds of copies of his books. I share them publicly. If anybody wants copies, especially of the Ask Gary V book, hit me up. I'm sending them out for free. I still got another 50 plus copies. Uh, but I love supporting people who, uh, who I see as supporting people. Um, you know, and, and I think it works both ways. And since you came on board, I've, I did the, the Vayner, the, at the time, the Vayner media 4ds program, and it's now evolved into the Sasha group, which Correct, you, yep. you are one of the senior people there. Um, I, I'm a slow learner. I do a lot of things too, sometimes three times. Um, I was in, I was registered for, for class one of the 4ds ended up having a scheduling conflict, went to episode two. Um, and they were still in the learning phases. And what I loved about, what I loved about it was there were things that I went there with very specific intention on how to learn and time just ran out. I think we did an 11 hour, 12 hour session that, that first time I went. And they didn't get to everything. And I immediately went to the powers that be who were running the, the event at the time. And I said, listen, is there any way my, my, my restaurant at the time was about 15 blocks north of where you guys were in, uh, in Hudson Yards. I said, is there any yep. way I can come back and audit a future session just for what I missed that you guys didn't get to? And I put it on them like that. It's like, hey, you promised this. You didn't get to it. So I put, I put the ask out there, but it was more like a body blow. Um, and, and they said, you know what? Let's work on the details. They sent me the schedule and they were kind enough to not only let me come back and audit, but do the whole thing over again. So I am the only two-time attendee of the, uh, the, the Vayner, the, the, now the Sasha Group's 4Ds program. Um, you're not, you're not alone now, uh, just someone, so you know, there's been hit me three up. others that have done the same, which is such a testament, I think, to the one, the strength of the program and two, as everybody knows, like just the, the rapid evolution of the state of social yeah. and digital marketing. Um, you can literally come spend a complete day, an 11, 12 hour day mm -hmm. at our offices in New York City and come back six months later and almost have everything be completely changed yeah. and different. So you're one of the people that, of course, has adopted a mindset of adapt, evolve, always. 
And I think that's, that's why we're here talking today and uh, birds of a feather, you know? Yeah. And what I, and, and I don't want this to be the sales pitch for the four D's, but if anybody's ever got any questions, Nick is available and I'm, I'm an open book. I'm more than happy to walk you through my, my experience with it from the consumer side. Um, Dean's a much better salesperson than I am. So please go <laughs> well, to Dean. Listen, I, I'm live I'm living it and you're working it. And that's not a slight against you. It's listen, that's your responsibility to me. It's just a moral obligation, but I, I you know, I, I, I look at, I look at the world and the community community that has evolved from the attendees of 4Ds. I have friends worldwide who I've never met, never even spoken with, but I feel like I know them inside and out just through Facebook messaging and, and, and watching their content and DMs on Instagram and learning more and more. Uh, and we constantly poach and steal ideas from each other because that's what it's all about. It's a community and you want to take it and adapt it to your personality. And, and that's what I love about what Nick has been preaching in all of his efforts. So Nick, why don't we dive into it and let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, you know, you are an entrepreneur, you've been involved in startups, you've been in, you've moved out, you've had your experiences there. We want to talk about a little bit. You said you started out as a photographer. What led you down the path and walk us kind of through the timeline of who you are and what you've done. Awesome. So Dean, something you just said at the, at the end there, like really struck a chord um, you know, we, we poach and we steal from, um, from our peers in terms of, you know, like the nuances of how we create content or what we do. And I think, you know, that was, that was something that I learned something really early on and it's, and it's slightly controversial, but, you know, good artists copy, great artists steal. And when we think at you know, even like, you know, some of the most talented artists in the world. Um, they've, they've copied techniques or, um, different ways in which they help, uh, they, they depict certain things. And then we look at the, the truly great artists and there's elements that are just carbon copy stolen from previous generations. Um, and it's just, you know, I think there's, there, we just don't have such a negative connotation on that. The world is a melting pot of ideas, uh, let alone people and perspectives. Yep. So when you, you know, I think when you, when you copy or when you imitate, it's an incredible form of flattery. And in this world of being able to share things within two clicks of a mouse to your entire audience, you know, I really do think that, of course, attribution is important, but the, the sharing of ideas and concepts is, is even more important than that. Um, so to, to answer your question, how I started my career was, was as a creative, I was, I was, you know, the, um, I always had a decent amount of left brain and right brain activity. I wasn't just this kind of whimsical creative that, um, that, you know, just wouldn't stray from their creative vision, which led me to a career in advertising and not, you know, and not shooting, um, uh, and not shooting campaigns, full bleed campaigns for, for Vogue magazine. Okay. Right. So I knew that I could marry the business objective with the creative execution. And that's what, that's what ultimately led me to Vayner. So fresh, fresh out of college, I kind of surveyed my options as a creative person. And I knew that the, and you know, maybe for some people listening who don't understand completely, like what the ecosystem feels like at a, at a digital or an advertising marketing agency, you know, as a, as a millennial who graduated college, there was nothing inside of me that wanted to wear a suit every day to work. So like, that was kind of like non-negotiable. Number one, I don't want to wear a suit. Got number it. two is I want to work in, in a creative environment with a, with a mix of diversity of opinion and, and perspective 
So I, I, I kind of surveyed my, my prospects and, and the advertising industry really felt that, you know, if anybody's watched Mad Men, obviously the, the industry is much different than it was back then. But, um, you know, there, there is real creativity within the walls of an advertising agency. And that's what I was looking for. And then finally, I wanted to, I wanted to work for a challenger. I wanted to work for somebody that believed in the future of technology and innovation and wasn't stagnated to the way that things worked previously. So I looked for an agency in that focused on social, social media at the time, which today having this conversation today, you're like, of course, like, duh. But thinking about when I entered the workforce eight years ago, like what did, what was I, you know, what was the, what was the reality around social media? And everybody was like, this is a fad. Yep. This is just a trend. Like this is, this is where all the kids hang out and they spend their time. Like no way. Or am I starting a, a business account on Facebook for my, for my business? Like, that, you know, I don't think that was an option. Um, they had page accounts, but, but they, we were in the infancy stages of social media. Yep. Um, and that's where I saw the future of the industry really going. Um, and kind of in my discovery process, I was turned on to, to Gary and his agency. And I, I was able to secure the, the job there fresh out of college as, as the first staff photographer at VaynerMedia. And what that meant so, so long ago is very different than what it means now. Um, but it's, uh, that was kind of the first stepping stone in my, in my career was as a, as a creative at, at Gary's agency and, and within the first hundred employees there. Um, which really was kind of set the trajectory for my career. So you were down in the Park Avenue office. Correct. Yeah. We were at 23rd and Park Avenue yep. and, you know, background here, right? Cause I, I'm assuming there's a lot of Long Island people that listen. It, we're, we're, you know, our audience is still being defined every Global. episode, but we, you know, listen, we've got one, you know, Sel Watts, who's a dear friend of mine, who's done, who's one of the original the guests on the show. She's an Aussie and listened to it from Australia. So I can say we're international now. I, I got a, without a doubt. Yeah, I, got a, a doubt. I got a few and Canadians think, on board and I got one in Belgium. So I love it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I guess, the you know, the, the reason why I asked that question is I want to make sure that like I'm speaking, that I'm speaking to the audience. Throughout. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, let, let me define our, our target clearly, you know, we're, we're a real estate company. We look at ourselves as a marketing agency, not as a real estate brokerage. Uh, I have aspirations to evolve into a bigger role as a CEO. Uh, and I, I love working with small business owners and I define small business owners as those with employees that are under a hundred. You know, not like the, not like some of the other organizations say 500 employees or less is a small business. I call foul on that, to be honest with you. I look at it and say, if you've got 50 to 100, you're still a small business. But you use the word that I mentioned pre-interview. We talked about that infancy stage. And I, I, I look at it and said, let's move to toddler. You know, infancy is probably 20 to 20 to 40. And then you start to get to toddler 50, 100, 200, 500. So we define things a little different. But that's kind of what my target audience is, is, is those mom and pop shops. Uh, but also those creative entrepreneurs who don't have that entrepreneurial seizure to take a line out of Michael Gerber's book, but actually are willing to put the time and effort into building a plan to build a better life for themselves and provide jobs and opportunities for others. So let, let's focus on Long Island, Northeast, the, North, you know, our region here. And that's kind of what we're going for. I love it. And I think, um, I think I can, I can kind of segue in conversation to that really well. Please. So 
I, I had a pretty prolific, and I'm happy to say that, uh, career as a creative at, at VaynerMedia. And I had a, had a heavy hand in growing the production team, working on amazing, amazing projects, like ones that, you know, creatives would, uh, would, would give 10 years of their career to work on. Mm -hmm. And I had those at-bats very early on in my career because social media was in such an infancy nascent stage that the, the, the resource that they looked to wasn't the 15 year trained photographer. It was like the, the kid who knew how to use social media the best. So I was and, given and could these resonate incredible, with it. Correct. Yeah. So I was given these cr incredible at bats very early on my career. I, I shot, um, I shot world series commercials for the Chicago Cubs. I, I traveled all over the world from Belize to St. Nevis and Kitts. Um, amazing, amazing projects. And I, at one moment, I realized very distinctly that the, the impact that I was having on these businesses was one, immeasurable and two, nominal. And I, I desperately needed to, to work on something where I had a measurable, a, a measurable impact on the business. And I, I started to fall in love with the startup space and the early stage business space. And in that, I, one, started consulting earlier stage brands on social and digital marketing. And then two, was creating campaigns and the framework for their campaigns, whether it was being the photographer or you know, figuring out how to coordinate the pieces to create a piece of content that would resonate with an audience on social and digital for an earlier stage company where I could say, wow, the video that we created sold, you know, 400 pairs of X. Right. And I think that, that for me became like this, that was the fire that was really ignited in me. That was the drug that um, hooked you. Oh, big time, big time, big time, which then led me to a position of the head of small business education at the Sasha group. And we measure small businesses as really anything under a hundred million in top line right. annually, um, not indicative of headcount. Um, and, and that has been the most rewarding position I think that I've held at VaynerX on the client side, because you're working with clients where, you know, very distinctly that the work that you're having is having a measurable impact on their business. And, you know, I think a lot of people who love small business know, you know, there's that famous sign that like, you know, buying a coffee here, you know, goes into my daughter's dance lessons right. or, yep. you know, but, you know, and I think that that kind of sentiment around small business is why we have such a romantic relationship with small business in the United States, because it's very much so an extension of the American dream. Um, and for me, being able to make an impact on that has, has really fueled my career for the, probably the past two and a half years. Um, everything from starting, you know, being a co-founder in a startup in the apparel space to picking really like hand selecting clients at the Sasha group to mm -hmm. work with, because I know the kind of impact that we can make on them. Um, and, and that's been really, really exciting for me. Yeah, I love it. And it's, it, and it's been fun to watch it. And part of what I love about it is that as you evolve as a better version of yourself, and, and I'll use the word employee, I think it's, it's undermining a little bit, but as a partner within the growth of that organization, you, you bring such huge value to the audience who pays attention to you. 
Uh, and I've watched what you've done with the 40s group specifically in Facebook, which is a private group for the attendees, but what you've done with Stork and what you've done with, with Sasha. And you're constantly adding value to the people around you and those who choose to listen. Uh, I'm, I'm guilty of it. When you started Stork, I paid very close attention. I got through the first set of stuff. And then life got in the way. And I looked at it and I said, and it was funny because I was talking to Corey Stewart, who's our media director here. And I said, I've got to spend more, I've got to block more time to pay attention to those things. And it's tough because I have an obsession with learning to the point where sometimes it becomes debilitating. I spend too many hours learning and not enough time implementing, which is a major character flaw in many entrepreneurs and creatives and visionaries. Um, so I, I got smart. I started doing a better job time blocking. Literally yesterday, I blocked out the next couple of days and I said, let's test out how much time we can pay attention to these things and block out all the other distractions. And I think that's the biggest challenge for so many uh, startups and creative entrepreneurs is that you've got to be able to divide the mind between being overly creative and taking the right action and learning from that. And I think that's a big part of what, what our show is all about as well is when do you stop certain things and start others and just put them on the back burner, knowing that there's only so much you can accomplish in a day. Yeah, I think First and foremost, being an employee is a, is a great honor, I think, at a, at a company that you truly identify with the mission, uh, the, the vision and the mission of the company. I think to, to be a good employee is um, in this age right now might be viewed upon as like in this age where entrepreneurship is so heroed, right? Yeah. Um, I think that there, there needs to be a bit of a, a call to action back into the direction of being a tremendous employee because, you know, these entities are nothing without their employees. So for anyone listening who's an employee within a larger organization and views themselves as a, as a cog in the machine, that's just such a destructive narrative to have first and foremost. Like I, I just think that um, taking great ownership over the work that you do and having real value, self, um, a, a, a real self-worth in the work that you do is so, so massively yeah. important. Um, and, you know, to, to talk about really like education and, and consumption of things, I mean, we're all super guilty of it. Yeah. And, you know, these, these phones have made it <laughs> so, so They're a blessing and a curse at the easy. same time. Oh my God. And you know, I'm super guilty of it. I have eight different books that are sitting on my nightstand that I'm, you know, 50, 60 pages into some of them and, you know, a few of them, you know, maybe 200 pages into, but you know, that's just kind of the, the, the beast of, of kind of consuming stuff is, you know, there's, there's the Michael Jordan documentary and there's the Lance Armstrong documentary. Yeah. And then there's these things that I need to do for professional development. And I would say that in my in my pursuit of um, of kind of being a better employee, a a smarter operator, what I've what I've tried to do is um, is block out uh, distractions that I know just are are mindless. And I think that we all need mindless entertainment yep. at some point. Um, but for anybody listening, the you know the one thing that I've people whether it's people that I mentor or even businesses that I consult, it's like is this, um, what, what is this piece what it, to be more thoughtful about our consumption? Cause it is so massively easy to get stuck in a perpetual scroll yep. on Facebook or yep. on Instagram. And, um, just being able to kind of 
to recognize in that moment that, hey, I've spent way too much time here. I need to hop out. And then maybe you've got a hack that you can share about like, where's the list of the things that I would rather be spending my time on and reverting back to that list and blocking out the time. But I mean, I would love to hear from you. I I haven't quite figured it out yet in terms of how to not get stuck in the professional scroll. I think a lot of it comes down to accountability. You know, I've, I've tested every software and app under the sun where we're now playing more on Trello. Um, and where I think it works well and, and literally had this, again, had this conversation yesterday saying we can create all these boards and these lists and I've used Evernote and Trello and, and you, you named Asana. They're, they're all out there. And I no one is any better than the other. It's what's right for you. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> but let's stay on that for a second, because I think that's for a lot of people when you're listening and consuming to these things. Um, whether it's, it's thought leadership or whether it's, you know, even, um, even a podcast like this, you, you pick up on what one person uses or mm-hmm. does. And I think the real, you know, ha- working for somebody for the past seven years, that is so, um, so large in the public eye and he's yep. no doubt, you know, Gary's a public figure in every sense of the word. Um, a lot of people will look to kind of the things that he does and try to adopt them as their own. But really the magic is in finding what's right for you. Mm -hmm. And whether that's your morning routine or the way in which you create and produce content or the voice that you, that you create for yourself, like your introduction on the show is bar none, the best one I've had on the podcast. And I've been on over a dozen. So, you know, I just think that it's very important for people as they as they try to look for inspiration or, you know, ways to make their their lives, their routines, their businesses more efficient, more impactful. It's really about a little bit of trial and error to and creating a process that's that's right for you. And and that's what's worked for me. And, and like, you know, to go back to me, it's, it's, it's about accountability. You know, we, we look at things and say, okay, can we communicate using technology to benefit us? Or is it just, let's go old school and say every day at this time, we're going to go through our checklist. And at the end of every day, we're going to talk again and go through our checklist. What did you do? What did you accomplish? Where did you struggle? Where did you succeed? Why did you succeed? Why did you struggle? And I think learning, and I think that's where my mindset of, becoming more and more on, on my primary business, the real estate end of it, becoming more of a CEO of the company as opposed to a broker or manager or great salesperson. I think I can bring value to people. I love when people hold me accountable and I'd love it even more when people allow me to hold them accountable. And I think that's a, that's a distinction that a lot of people say that's the difference between a boss employee relationship and a partnership relationship. I, I look at it and say, I am blessed to have my name on the paychecks of the people that I work for every week. Because very much like Gary's always says, I, they don't work for me. I work for them. And that's how I built my business is I'm going to create the systems for you. I'm going to listen to you. But again, you have to fit into the, into the culture of the company, which is the mission, the vision, the core values. That's what I can control is what's the voice of the company going to be and make sure I bring the right people on board so that we can mutually achieve those goals. You know, I, I really like where this conversation is going because I think it's going in the direction of employee, employer health. Mm-hmm. overall. And, you know, one of the things that, um, that, that I really like hold, hold it near and dear to kind of the employee employer relationships that I have is, you know, whether it's, you know, my, my boss, you know, my direct boss is James Rossini. He was former, formerly the chief operating officer at VaynerMedia, CEO of a few publicly traded companies prior to that. 
is, um, you know, we joked around. He was like the oldest person at VaynerMedia for a long time. And he's been in so many ways a, a tremendous mentor to me. And the reason why I think we have such an incredible kind of employee-employer relationship, boss, you know, um, boss-employee relationship is because of the ability to, uh, for him to hold me accountable and for me to embrace that accountability, yeah. right? It's, I think a lot of people might shudder when, you know, they get the phone call or the text message from their boss that asks them where something is or what the progress or status is, is on something. And I'm not sure, you know, I would love your opinion on this, how to take that fear out of somebody. But I think it's so massively important in creating a culture in small businesses that allows you to grow past those kind of distinct growth phases of infancy to toddler. I, I, you know, again, I was very scientific and strategic about the choice of titles of the podcast. Opportunity is a word that I use constantly because I believe in it. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't by choice that it came out. It was by, it, it wasn't by chance. It was by choice. I, I believe that, that people need to look. So years ago, 20 plus years ago, I went through a divorce and my dad gave me a piece of advice while I was heavily involved in the bottle and drinking three, three packs of smoking three packs a day. And he says, let me give you, and it's, it's advice I've heard from other people. Dan Kennedy, who's known as one of the best copywriters in the world has always preached the positive power of negative preparation. And my dad came down in a, in a half of a buzz state that I was in waking up with a hangover. He says, if you wake up every morning prepared for the worst case scenario, you'll never be let down. And most people hear that and say, that's a very negative way to look at it. I look at it as the positive. I, I look for the positive in everything. I preach that to, to my kids and my family and those who are close to me. Always find the positive. You know, look at the challenging times we're living in right now where we've got racial issues. We've got cultural issues. We've got health issues. We've got all these negative things. If we could focus on finding a positive in every little thing, no matter how bad it is, you know, the death of a loved one, what's the positive? The positive to me was I got to live life through them and with them and enjoy them and appreciate them. And now that they're gone, it will help me grow into a better version of who I am. I, I think there's addition by subtraction all the time, even when it is the worst case scenario. The only guarantees in life are death and taxes. Well, what's the beauty of paying taxes? You probably made a good amount of money if you're paying a good amount of taxes. Find the positive in it. Listen, I love the loopholes just like the next guy, and I'm looking for every deduction I can get. But, you know, we're, we're blessed to live in, in, no matter how challenging or difficult it may be at times, we're blessed to live in the greatest country in the history of the world. I mean, absolutely. And I think you, you just touched on something. There's like, um, there's a, I'm not sure how familiar you are with stoicism, but, um, and I'm not by any means an expert turned on to it like in the past few years by a few writers and the one the one thing that I always kind of revert back to I, I remember it early was um, you know within stoicism there's this concept almost as like you you replay you re replay these um, you create these imaginary kind of circumstances where Theater of in the a moment mind. of pure yeah in, in a moment of pure and intense joy you, you play out the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you could be a moment where you're celebrating, you know, the birth of a child or, um, you know, maybe even like the announcements of, uh, of, a, of a child on the way. And you, in that moment, you, you would play out kind of like what would be the worst case scenario in this given moment. 
So at the same time, you can you can feel the intense joy and extreme sorrow or disappointment. And then when later in life, not as if that moment would ever come to fruition, but when you are faced with these moments where life throws you an incredible curveball, it, it affords you the the headspace to to respond in a way that's that's more um, that's more even. Yep. And um, some people feel like that that's a detachment from from the emotion that life affords you in a very beautiful way. But I think I think that there's definitely something there for people that have experienced and have lived. And if anything, you know, actually, I would love to say this. I I sat down and had a conversation with um, the former CMO of SoulCycle, and he uh, him his wife was the founder and CEO. And he gave me a great, great, great piece of advice. He said, and I've been super fortunate to have had many mentors and um, people of that caliber give me advice along the way and have, and have held it very near and dear. But, but what he said to me is, you know, he, he said, he sat down to take a look at a business that I was, um, that I was involved with. And he was incredibly warm and thoughtful and spent more than enough time with us. And he looked at, he looked at, a, he looked at me in the end and he said, you know, guys, whatever, whatever you decide to do with this business, regardless of whether you decide to, to sell it, um, you know, revenue fund it, go raise some venture capital, whatever you decide to, to ultimately do with this business, just, just go two feet in, just completely be two feet in to this process because whether or not it is the greatest success that goes far and beyond what you could have ever had hoped for for this business, or it's a complete failure, crashes and burns, you know, as soon as I step out of this door, you will be much better for having lived through that experience and more capable of, of handling the challenges that life throws in your directions. Um, and that's what, that's what business affords us the opportunity to do is to experience more of what life has to offer. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, that's a piece of advice that I've held very close as I've navigated in different roles or in different companies. It's a challenge that I experience every day because, you know, one of, one of the guys that I work with, who's a marketing, marketing guru and a business coach. And I, I look at him as a, as a mentor and a resource tells me all the time, says you've got brilliant ideas, but you can't have one hand here, one foot there, another hand here, another foot there. And then your head stuck in the middle of all of it. Uh, and it's a challenge that I, I go through every day. I mean, listen, what we're doing right now, I look at the podcast as a business development opportunity. Um, and I've had people approach me saying they'd love to sponsor and they'd love to do this and that. But at the end of the day, am I, am I a CEO of a real estate company? Am I a CEO of a media company? You know, we've talked about spinning the media division from our real estate company into a completely different company because in, from a media division to a media company, because we have people requesting our services all the time because they see what we do. Um, and it's a challenge. And I, and I, I agree. You can't have two feet into multiple things because you only got two. Um, and, and, and that's one of the hardest parts about having vision, having creativity. And I, I think wrangling that up and keeping it focused and saying, spend a year doing this and reevaluate in nine months, nine to 15 months. What's next? Do you go deeper into it? Do you pivot and go to one of the others? Uh, and I do have that fear of loss sometimes of saying, losing out on missed opportunities to help other people because I preach and anybody who listens to me, I, I regurgitate it almost every single episode. 
I don't get out of bed in the morning to make a dollar. I get out of bed in the morning to make a difference. When I make a difference, the dollars I need will find me. And I've been blessed. You know, here I am, you know, 50 years old and I, I live a great life. I've got a wonderful family. Uh, I've got fantastic people around me. I've got just enough friends that I know I could count on to give me a kidney if I needed it. And cause I'd give them, I'd give it to them as well. Um, but that challenge of, but what would have happened had I done this instead? And it's there, there's an insecurity there that I think we all struggle with at times. And you, you've just got to embrace it and say, Hey, you know what? That's, that's the casual friends you love having that extra drink with, but you're not, you know, they're not driving you home at the end of the night. Yeah. You know, I think Dean, you've got such great, great perspective. And I'm like, I'm going to write down a lot of these isms when I listen to this episode later that you've got, and then I'm going to recycle them as my own. So thank you so much for that. Give me a tag. Um, I'm happy. I don't need to take credit. I'm perfectly fine. (laughs) I want to see what you're doing so I could steal it back and make it better. (laughs) I love it. Um, you know, I think the, you know, Gary's given me this piece of advice. He was like, we, we all create these, these sandboxes for ourselves to play in, right? Like yeah. we, we all, we ultimately like we're, we're given all of the freedom in the world to do whatever we want to do in life. And, you know, of course, to an extent, and then we ultimately create our own sandboxes that we're forced to play in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of creating that, that sandbox. And I think what, what I mean by creating that sandbox is, I need to focus on something for at least 12 to 15 months. I need to have a singular focus on this. And it's like kind of a, it's a, it's an arbitrary timeline that we're like, if I do this for X amount of time, then, and some people need that. And yeah. some people don't, some people will do something for, for three weeks and quickly understand, Hey, this is, this actually isn't for, this isn't for me at all. Um, but the most important part of that process for myself is, and I've held, I've been a staff photographer at Maynard Media. I've been a director. Uh, I was. I've been executive producers on projects um, on the production side. I was the, the head of new business development for a year and a half for Vayner Media. I uh, moved over to the Sasha Group, and I've been the head of education. And like now, I'm entertaining a, a bevy of other things alongside Gary. And that kind of like recreation of my career every year and a half, two years isn't a byproduct of failed execution. It's, it's a byproduct of recognizing opportunity at different stages, given the current moment of the world and the landscape of social and digital marketing and my skill set over time. So I think for, um, for, for, for a lot of people, it's the creation of those sandboxes is, is okay. And recognizing that you have all the power to get up and walk outside and create another sandbox is really important and then not be, not be overly critical of yourself. Yeah. If you look back at the sandbox, you created yep. three, three sandboxes of go and you know, the, the castle fell down because you're no longer playing in that sandbox. Amen. Whereas a lot of people will get bent out of shape because they'll be like, man, if I only spent more time in that sandbox, I would have created a much bigger castle and I could have looked back on it and been proud of my work that I did there. And unfortunately I just, you know, I don't have, I, I think I have something very unique in the sense of I wake up in the morning and I don't, I don't think much about the day prior and it's a, it's a gift and it's a curse. It's something that I've talked about before. Um, but I, I really, at times, like I wish that, cause I know that a lot of people struggle with, you know, regret and looking back at different stages on their life, whether it's professionally or personally. And, uh, and I think that's kind of one of the, the superhero 
elements of kind of the, the makeup of my DNA is, is not being able to, to look back on yesterday and be regretful. And of course, having remorse and empathy in the right situation, but, um, but, but really just not being overly critical about the failed sandboxes and castles. I love it. I love it. All right. So we've got a couple minutes left because I know you've got somewhere else to be. And we talked previously about going kind of speed round and talking about tactics, but I'd, I'd love to kind of put your feet to the fire and say, maybe we can have you back another time to do that. Cause I got one more, qu- I think we're, we're in headspace right now. Uh, and I got one more question based off a post post that you did. And I would love to touch on this before we wrap. Uh, we were, you know, I, I don't do too much research on people before we have them on the podcast. Cause I want it to be authentic, but I follow you and I see a lot of what you do. Uh, and you would recently, I don't even know how recently it was, but I saw a post that you put up there that said, when you started with Gary, in that world, you kind of felt uncomfortable in the room. Uh, but eventually you got more comfortable and explain to me, because I, I think a lot of people who are new, whether it be to business or to eight or to a company or a business walk in feeling uncomfortable, like they don't know their place. And I wanted to touch on that because it's a question that's come similar questions have come up from my audience over the last couple of months. I want to get your perspective on it. Tell me what you meant by that and then how you evolved from it. And you got about six yeah. minutes to do it because I know you got somewhere else to be. I've got, you know, for, for you, I've got seven and a half. Um, for, you know, I think that I think the big one is uh, like the root of all this, of course, is imposter syndrome, which has become, you know, which has definitely entered the cultural zeitgeist of terms around entrepreneurship that so many people can relate with and, and struggle with in a very real way. And imposter syndrome for me super early was being, you know, a a 22, 23 year old kid that was in a conference room or a boardroom, a conference room with, with, um, people that I didn't feel were my peers, people that I felt were my superiors. And, um, really just kind of, was that because you felt you didn't earn it or was it because you felt that, wow, look at these, was it more of a reverence thing? I, you know, I think it was both. I was super, you know, I was, I was very early in junior in my career. I knew my place in the room because I've had my hand slapped in a dinner table before where I said something at the adult table that, you know, I wasn't supposed to say. Right. So I, I knew that feeling. And I think inside of me, that's that's the feeling that I was feeling during that stage of my career. And it took me probably a good five years to, to earn my stripes and really feel like I would like I deserved a seat at the table. Is the and, well, let, me, let me cut let me cut you off for a second. You said it took you five years to earn your stripes. Was that between your own ears or was that you? it took five years to earn your stripes in the eyes of the people that you were working for and with? I love this question because I, I, it's absolutely between my own ears. It's a, it's a, it's a really important question, Dean. And I'm, I'm so, so appreciative that you asked it because I work with people that are 18, 19 years old today. Like I work with social creators, kids, right. Kids outside looking in that are so incredibly sharp and intelligent and well-spoken and insightful that when they sit at the table and they conducted themselves like an adult, no different than I was completely capable of doing, you respect their opinion, you respect, you view them as a peer. And I had every opportunity. And I think I I definitely did that at different parts, but I sat at that table 
thinking that I was a junior and I couldn't open up my mouth. And maybe that's what I needed. Like maybe I needed five years of just being the smartest person in the room by listening the most. And that got me to the, to the position I am today. But I, I appreciate you asking that question because I think it's absolutely, I needed five years to convince myself that I was worthy of being at the table and that I could contribute without looking like a dunce. And that's what it took for me. And I think for, for a lot of other people, just the fear of being in that room alone is, a, is enough for them to never even walk in the door. And that's something that I, I definitely think that um, like needs to be, you know, that's part of experiencing and that's part of um, just even, even going two feet in. For some people, it's just literally putting two feet in the same room and, and sitting in that room enough to make you feel uncomfortable. And, you know, so many stages of my life, and my career that I've been massively, massively uncomfortable. And for, you know, for people listening that have, you know, uh, have started the business within, you know, 50 mile square radius of where they grew up. Um, just even like the, the concept sometimes of leaving that 50 mile square radius is, is very uncomfortable. Yep. It's geographic. For other people, it's, you know, I've been in the real estate industry for my entire career to leave this industry and to go into media is massively uncomfortable. And um, I think, you know, that's what Spencer was telling me when when we sat down was regardless of what what you do, just go two feet in because you'll be a you'll be much better off for the experience. Um, and I think that we're all a living, breathing reflection of our of our experiences. And uh, it just makes you a more well-rounded person and human being. And I'm still super early in that process, have a lot more to experience and very grateful for, for people like you that adds to those I got, experiences. I got a few, I got a few years on you. I got a lot less hair and what I have is a lot grayer than yours. And trust me, I still got an insane amount to learn as what uh, an insane amount to learn as well. Uh, because I, I think that's the one thing we all need to take to our grave with us is that desire to constantly grow until the day that we do die. Cause if you don't, I think it shortens your life. And I, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought up so many things that resonate with me. You know, it's funny. I sleep with Ryan holiday's book next to my desk and I carry a memento Mori coin in my pocket everywhere I go. Um, and that's still the stoicism, stoic wisdom is, is some brilliant stuff that more people should pay attention to. Uh, listen, we are up against the clock here, so I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you so much for doing this. I hope that when we do get this posted and shared, that I'll get a chance to review it and actually come up with another laundry list of questions to bring you back in the future because um, we, we are starting to bring more and more guests back for a second time because I feel that we've left so much on the table. I would love to do that that speed round Q&A with you and get into tactics so that we can uh, either help people take the next steps or just confuse the hell out of them, which is what it does to me all the time. But understand where I'd the confusion is. Oh, I'd love to, Dean. I think that'd be great. And I actually like the idea of creating shorter five to seven minute yeah. episodes that are just speed round Q and A, because um, I think people will a certain type of viewer listener would would tune in for something like that over the longer form stuff. So I think that's super yeah. smart. Listen, you you may you may become the first official episode that we actually chop into shorter ones because I look at that and say we got to respect people's time. So five to fifteen minutes may be let's do segments. Hey, welcome to Nick episode one, a one B one C one D. Uh, but Hey, you know, that's the world that we live in. And, and I'm, I'm as a digital nomad, I'm learning what the, what the most important generation, which is the millennials, in my opinion, what they're doing and what they love because they're the future consumers. Uh, 
Nick, any parting words? Yeah, I want to push you on that. I want to push you on that because I think that's a really, really good thing to note here. Um, The next episode, like try something off the wall where it's like 12 minutes. Like really like try something off the wall where it's like at the, in the upfront, it's a 30 second introduction. You're like, we've truncated the entire thing. We're going to do this episode in 12 minutes. Let us know what you think. And I think that kind of like um, that variety, you'll, you'll get like really strong signals back super quickly about whether or not that's something people want. We will definitely, we will definitely make note and, and that will go into our list of things to work on, Uh, not test out, but actually work on and watch the results because that's what it's all about. Ladies and gentlemen, words of wisdom, parting words of wisdom, go for it. Okay. I gotcha. Um, So, you know, I think, for a lot of people, um, like opportunity comes in, in so many different shapes and sizes. And it really is for, for me, it's always been about perspective. I'm probably guilty of the same thing you are, of seeing a lot of moments that aren't actually opportunities as opportunities. Like as a, as a, as a person who's incredibly optimistic um, and just like very over indexes and wanting to help and do good. Uh, I see almost every, every opportunity, every, every example, every, um, every instance as an incredible opportunity to to do something. Um, So I think for, for, for those listening, you know, there's probably a common thread of, of people that also see the world hopefully in a similar way or, or trending in that direction. And the, mo- the one of the more powerful things for me, I think, as of late, has been not learning how to say no, but but definitely definitely learning how to to reprioritize the things that that are necessarily needed from me, and the, the prioritization of opportunity has has definitely been instrumental in I think my personal happiness um, as of late. Uh, so you know, really looking at those opportunities that we're, we're so grateful to be afforded every single day and just taking a little bit of time to prioritize those opportunities. Um, so that's kind of like my parting words of wisdom. I get incredibly excited about everything that comes in my direction. I want to do it all, all the time. And just a little bit of prioritization of those opportunities has made me, I think, a more full person that's able to give. I think that is absolutely a perfect way to end this almost hour that we did together. I can't thank you enough for not only your time here, but your friendship, your guidance, your experience, uh, and your willingness to be such an, uh, an incredible giver to those people who, who are blessed to have some of your time. I uh, can't thank you enough for it. Um, Love you, brother. And Appreciate I look forward it. to doing it again soon. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Opportunity Knocks. As always, I'm your host, Dean Miller. We would greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to give us a review, give us some love, give us a share. Let's spread this message of positivity and creativity and opportunity to others. We are here to be a guide. We are here to be a resource and a solution, and we look forward to engaging with each and every one of you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to spend some time with you. Have a fantastic day. Go make the world a better place than it was when you woke up this morning. And and, and I, on that note, we're out. Thank you so much.